Today's episode of the Rainbow Skyline podcast is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast, one of the many great shows on the Athletic Podcast Network. My name is Nick Cosmider, your athletic beat writer for the Nuggets, joined by Kendra Andrews, my co-beat writer for the Nuggets. And um, you know, on today's show, we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of fun things to talk about. Um, obviously, our Turish Karnas Shovas to the Bulls. It is official. He had his uh, introductory video Zoom uh, call, or I guess audio Zoom call, the other day, which. Uh, is is the new era of I guess how executives are going to be introduced. Uh, had a lot of things to say uh, related to the Nuggets and his tenure here and and what went into him deciding to leave. So we'll get into that a little bit. We'll roll into an interview that Kendra had uh, recently with Chauncey Billups, a piece that she had up at the Athletic today, uh, catching up with the former Nugget great, current ESPN broadcaster. So go check that out. Uh, we'll touch on my interview I had with uh, former NBA executive and current athletic columnist John Hollinger. Uh, we broke down a piece looking kind of at the future of the Nuggets and where they stand right now in the NBA hierarchy. And then we'll, we uh, we heard from Michael Malone today a little bit uh, on the Altitude TV's uh, social show that they do each day, talking with uh, one of his musical uh, idols, uh, Nathaniel Ratliff. And uh, we'll, so we'll get into that. We'll talk about uh, the music that keeps us sane as we go on. So those are the topics we're going to hit. But before we get into any of that, I just want to honestly give a special thanks to, to all of our listeners to this podcast, all of our subscribers to our work at The Athletic. Um, we really appreciate all of you for, for sticking with us. You know, we, we know these times are hard. We, we know that everybody's minds can kind of be all over the place. But, um, you know, we, we appreciate you guys sticking with us and we are we are working as hard as we can to continue to bring, um, you know, interesting things via the podcast, via our writing, um, you know, to, to keep you engaged. And, and, and you know, the best way you can support that, if you can in these times, uh, head to theathletic.com slash rainbow skyline to get a, a great low cost deal on a subscription um, and, and keep with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Kendra, before we kind of roll into this, um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, we're, we're getting we're getting to the point now where um, it's. We're more than a month removed from the last game that got played in the NBA. Um, it, it, it almost, I almost just sort of forget what it's like going to the arena every day. W- what do you miss the most now that we've had so much time away, whether it's about the game itself, whether it's about the job itself? What, what are you just kind of feeling like you miss the most right now? Well, I mean, I definitely miss watching the games. That was you know, a great pastime, a way to – I live by myself, so that's a great thing to just do at night is watch whatever – games are happening so definitely miss that i think in terms of the job i think i miss having my feet on the ground there's nothing quite like just being at pepsi center with your feet on the court watching the warm-ups pregame then you know i mean you know nick back in the in the media rooms just kind of hypotheticals being thrown around with all the different writers there making up crazy scenarios what if this what if that and then watching the game and getting to talk to the guys afterwards. So I think I kind of just missed that whole process of what it's like to actually be in Pepsi Center and everything that goes into 
you know, writing the stories that we do, we've had to get creative. As you mentioned with, with the press conference via Zoom, it's just not quite the same as being face to face with these guys. And yeah. so I definitely miss the, the interactions uh, that you can't quite, quite, can't quite manifest those over Zoom calls. I, I miss Nikola Jokic when the, when the uh, opposing team turns the ball over and Nikola Jokic goes to the sideline to get the ball so that he can inbound it and then getting really upset because the referee does not give him the ball <laughs> as quickly as he wants it's that true. referee to give him the ball. That does it, happen it, a lot. <laughs> it happens a lot and it's never not entertaining. And it's so, but, but I think that speaks to just sort of these, like just the like little things that you take for granted. Um, you know, I, I think the first like week or two of this, so much of it was almost like this was a novelty and not like, not in a good way. Like we knew we, this has been obviously, um, you know, terrible, but almost just what I mean by novelty is just like this idea of being in, in this isolation and sports being gone. Like it seemed a little bit surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, now that it's like, now that it's sunk in, I think it's okay to admit that like it's, we miss things and it's, and it's hard. And, and that this to say nothing of, I'm not here to talk about when things should come back or anything like that. I'm just saying that it's like, you know, it's okay to say that like you, you miss these little things. Totally. And, I, and I think the, the longer time goes by, um, I, I think the more that that just sort of sinks in, but we'll, we'll get to the, a little bit of what we have to talk about. And, you know, you mentioned that zoom call, Ar, you know, Arturis got introduced as the new executive vice, vice president of basketball operations for the bulls. He'll be the chief front office decision maker for that franchise. And he was on that zoom call from, from Denver because he can't even go to, <laughs> um, go to Chicago, Chicago right now. Right. But, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that that stuck out to me is is when Arturis first talked to the Chicago media. This, this is the first thing he said. He said, "This is my dream. We want to bring an NBA championship to the city of Chicago. That's what everybody wants to do. All we can control is our approach and the process behind every decision. A firm foundation is absolutely vital. I will build that here in Chicago. No skipping steps. There's a systematic approach to success that will be the product of focus and internal hard work and diligence." You know, it, it was when I listened to him talk. I mean, the man has has a vision. He has a plan, and it was impossible not to hear that and, and immediately kind of have an understanding. I think of how instrumental he was to the processes that Denver has put in place since 2013, when he and Tim both came. He, he and Tim Conley, the president of basketball operations, both both got this job in Denver. And you know, I, it, it makes you really wonder again because when when you have when you have multiple people in a front office who who have you know, Tim and Arturis were kind of 1A, 1B, right? And, and Tim, Tim is obviously the, the top title-wise executive, but I think those two had a really good give-and-take working relationship. I think they they uh, complemented one another well. Another thing that Arturis even said in that press conference was that he wants, when he does hire a general manager, he wants somebody with like complementary um, you know, skills that, so maybe, maybe my skill set is not the best or is, is not the same as the person that I'm going to hire. We, we don't do the same. Our best trait isn't necessarily the other person's best trait. Right. Um, and, and that's, I think that's the one thing you look at that made me just think he, he was a lot of the organiza- organizational process behind a lot of what the nuggets do. And, and it's hard to think that they're not going to, going to miss that as this has happened. And we, we've gotten a week now to kind of digest, um, you know, that he's gone. Where, where, what do you just sort of think of in terms of what the Nuggets have to do to be sure that, you know, that they, they continue to have the things in place that have helped them, you know, not only help them maintain the success that they've had, but now w- with new pieces in place, um, 
again, they're trying to get somewhere better than where they are now. Like, what do you just kind of see going forward with with this situation? Right. Well, you already mentioned how Howard Turris and Tim Connolly have that really great equilibrium between the two of them and their their skill sets. So I think I, I don't think that Tim Connolly is going to take a backseat on on things. I think he wants to kind of maintain that role that he's had. So I think you know they they obviously need to get someone who is going to have that same complementary. Uh, repertoire, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, just, just someone who can kind of tag team with Tim Connolly as Arturis did. I think when it comes to, okay, taking that next step, I think that is where, you know, it might be trickier to, to, to pin down, okay, who's the perfect person because in taking this next step, I mean, I think that there, there needs to be some sort of change within like the roster itself because you've obviously gotten this far with this group of guys that you have okay they've kind of gotten to that they've they've taken steps forward but it's kind of been in that same general hemisphere each time so it's okay how can we take that next great step to take that to become even better and so it's like okay well who are people that we can get who can help us attract those people here who can who has good relationships elsewhere in the league to get players to want to come here who who can you know pitch the team in that right way if that makes any sense yeah certainly and i and i think we'll we'll get a little bit more into that here in just a second the one one thing i wanted to say the the, the kind of uh, i guess the one somewhat of a news nugget about the nuggets uh, no pun intended that came out <laughs> in this call was that Michael Reinsdorf, the CEO of the Bulls, said that when he was talking to the Nuggets, who he said were were very helpful in in just the whole process. And look, Denver went to bat uh, for Arturis Garnashovas. Like they understood that this it was just this guy's time. Um, you know, he he had been kind of the number two in Denver's front office for the last seven years. Uh, was a big part of what they did here. I, I think there was that understanding that it was his time. And and, and the biggest piece of that was when Reinsdorf asked Josh Kroenke the president and governor of the nuggets he said listen we know that tim connolly last last off season was um being pursued very hard by the washington wizards and, and was really being courted to take over that that basketball operations department if he had taken that job what was your plan what was Arturis going to be promoted into the president of basketball operations role in Denver and, and Kroenke told Reinsdorf absolutely there, there was going to be no doubt that that was that was what we we're going to do there wouldn't be a search um, really laid it out simply and I think that we I think that we all knew that that was that was a pretty well understood thing at the time that if if Tim Conley who really did I think wrestle with that decision as to whether to go to Washington if if only because it's his home. It's, it's where he's, he, he, both he and his wife's families are from that area. And, and that was, I think the biggest draw, but when he ultimately decided to stay, I, I, I do kind of think that the writing was probably on the wall because look, they were, if the, if the nuggets knew they were that comfortable and that ready to put Arturis into that kind of a role with their franchise, it meant that other teams who, who were trying to get where Denver already is would be equally, if not more um, excited and, and, ready to put Arturis into that same role for their franchises. So I, I think to kind of have that as a confirmation out of that was interesting. You know, just a couple of the other housekeeping items was that, 
you know, Arturis did say that it was it was a difficult conver- a difficult decision. Um, you know, ultimately, this is this again is a dream. It's something he's always wanted to do. He talked about how, you know, being a, a being a kid in Lithuania and then coming to coming to the United States in 1990 as as a kid going to Seton Hall. Um, you know, the Bulls were just such a part of the of the fabric of, of not only the sport but of kind of American culture. As he was starting to really learn about American culture, he of course played in the 1992 Olympics with Lithuania. Um, played against the the dream team that was led by Michael Jordan. So he he's always had, I think, a fascination and a deep respect and admiration for just what the Bulls have been in their past. And, and so for a guy in his in his career field, you know, it, the Bulls are one of those franchises out there that says, "Hey, like this is to be the guy that brings back the Bulls." It, it, you know, it was like it was it was like being able to bring back the Red Sox from having never, <laughs> you know, so far removed. I, I I think that that's it made it a no brainer in terms of actually taking the job, but still given, given what he had built here, given all the relationships, um, you know, I, I think that was something where it was still bittersweet in a way right. as excited as he is to move on. But now spinning forward, what, what, what's really interesting in this situation is that, you know, we talked a little bit last week about Calvin Booth and, and I continue to think, and you know, from, from people that I've talked to, I continue to believe that he is a very strong candidate to take over, for Arturis in the role of general manager of the Nuggets. I, th- I think he has a has a good shot at doing that. He's been here since 2017, has built a really strong relationship with Tim Conley, a, a relationship that already goes back to, to early in Calvin Booth's playing career. Um, and, and that's only been enhanced. And I think, I think they've learned a lot from one another. Um, so I, I think that's something to still keep an eye on. But one person that that is always brought up whenever the Nuggets have a uh, front office opening, or or whenever there is some big role within the Nuggets, uh, the name that's always brought up is Chauncey Billups, mm-hmm. and you you see that in our in you know in comments on stories that we write about this situation. Um, he his his is a name that's always brought up. He he had two different stints in Denver. Obviously, the local kid, Georgetown. I mean, I'm sorry, George Washington High School, <laughs> University of Colorado, um, point guard. He he's Colorado through and through. The king of Park Hill. Um, you know, came back at, toward the end of his career, got got the Nuggets to the Western Conference Finals. There, there's just no um, no kind of I think limit to the amount of respect that people here have for Chauncey Billups, who has flirted with a couple front office roles both in Cleveland and Atlanta in recent years. Ultimately, did not take those. Stayed in the broadcasting business. You you talked to Chauncey for, for a story you did. Mm-hmm. Um, where where do you kind of just sense he's at in terms of? his potential interest in pursuing another front office job. Well, we did talk a little bit about that because something that I asked him was, you know, when it was getting towards the end of your playing career, did you always know you wanted to go into broadcasting because he started his his job with ESPN, you know, the following season right after he retired. And he said, you know, I was considering it, but the other thing I was considering was coaching, was working in some form of, of a front office in one way or another. Um, and then the broadcasting thing just turned out, you know, very, very quickly. And so that was, he couldn't quite turn that down. And I think when it comes, he said that he's still, that's still something that he is very interested in. One thing that's really important to him is obviously being close to his family. He's out in LA most of the time, his family, um, his wife and his three kids, they live here in Colorado. Um, two of his daughters are in college and one of them's, I believe she's in eighth grade. And so I think one thing, at least in terms of those two jobs that you just mentioned, which are more out east, is that that's a little too far for him because he comes, he goes back and forth between Los Angeles to Denver about three or four times a week. Um, 
And one thing that he mentioned was, okay, like ESPN was considering moving NBA Countdown to New York, and he wasn't comfortable with that because that's too far of a commute to go back and forth. Then you add on, okay, if you're a coach, if you're front office, you're gone even further. So that being said, that was my very long answer to get to my point (laughs) of, I think that if the Nuggets offered him a position that was good with the pay that he really liked, I I think I definitely could see him taking that job because like I said, he mentioned that that's definitely something that he wants to get back into eventually. And if the Nuggets said, here is this job, it's in your hometown, you don't have to commute back and forth between seeing your family. I mean, you do when you're on the road and stuff, but your main base would be here in Colorado if they give him the right salary, I think that would be a hard thing for him to say no to. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's interesting with Billis because he's a guy that he's charismatic. He's, he's, he does an awesome job, you know, on TV, both, both as an in-game analyst and a studio analyst. Uh, He's created a lot of different opportunities for himself uh, through his broadcasting career. And I, I think continues to get, to get better at that. And certainly could have a long career in that field if that's what he ultimately chose. I, I do think, obviously, you, you just look at his basketball mind from from playing the game for 17 years in the NBA. Um, that is what I think is really attractive to franchises from a perspective of, look, we were talking a little bit earlier about getting free agents to come play here. That That, that is a challenge mm-hmm. that the Nuggets will always have. Um, they're a small market team. They are not alone in that difficulty. A lot of other teams that don't play on the coasts are in, you know, Atlanta or some other big cities where uh, just the city itself to a lot of players is is attractive, uh, or the market itself is attractive. The Nuggets don't have that just readily available, and and you've seen that they typically tend to get free agents who are either later in their careers or uh, you know maybe just kind of more of of bit players. Can can somebody like Chauncey is could he just step right into that and, and create um, a situation where he connects with free agents in a way that make them want to come to Denver? Now that that's that's the question. My my kind of thing on on Billups is that I think he's ultimately um, he's going to have to make a decision about how hard he wants to pursue uh, like kind of a front office career thing because this is a job that for, for the people who do it well. Um, you have got to grind and, mm-hmm. and you have, you have absolutely got to be, you know, in the office all the time. I mean, look, we saw this with magic Johnson was a situation where, um, you know, you, you heard a lot of reports, you read a lot of reports about how, um, he was a great brand, you know, a great ambassador for the team. And, and again, what was instrumental in a lot of decisions they made in, including LeBron James getting, getting him to come to the Lakers as much as, you know, a lot of people probably would say that that was just a foregone conclusion. He, he was in charge at the time. So, but, but again, did he, did he like the be in the office every day grind part of it? it is, is maybe a distaste for that. Why he ultimately uh, left his role with the Lakers. These are, these are things that I, I wonder about Chauncey Billups. I'm not saying that he's, that he's not ready for that. Um, but I think ultimately when he does decide to, to, to pursue, whether it be a front office job or a coaching career, um, I, I think it's going to have to be a decision where he says, listen, I'm I'm going to fully jump into this. Um, what what do you think are some of the things that he's just that, that he might be by waiting for? Is it a matter of like, um, you know, his, his kids fully growing up or what, what do you kind of see as maybe the, the thing that would, you know, trigger him to be like, OK, I'm fully in on on this particular path? Yeah, I mean, and he did say that he said, you know, I want my kids to 
be more grown up if they're all out of the house that's even better because I don't feel bad <laughs> about not being there to, you know, help with homework to, you know, of course, parent via long distance, but it's different when they're in college, you know, you're not actually there versus knowing that your kid's just sitting at home and you're not there. Um, and I think that was probably just the biggest thing about it. Uh, he has, like I mentioned, he's two out of the house already, one more to go. And so I think that that's probably the biggest thing is that you're not missing out on as much. He said when he first retired from basketball, one of the things that he was concerned about is that he, he said that he already missed so much of their childhood from playing and being on the road so much. So now if there's a way to get back a couple years, great. And then when they're more grown up, they're, they're older, they're more self-sufficient as adults. If I can get that coaching job, if I can make that transition, then that's something that I'm going to try to do. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm really fascinated to see how how he ultimately plays this thing because he's a guy that's going to have a lot of options. I, you know, would the Nuggets be ready to just insert him into a general manager role? Does does he want to take over um, a, a franchise right away where he is the top decision maker? Um, because I just don't think I don't think that Nuggets would be ready to do that. You know, not not when they have a guy as proven as they have in Tim Conley that, that they've committed what they've committed to. I, I don't. They're not in a position where they're going to give anybody just full full reign to run this. That they they have a system that they that they trust right now. Um, so it would I think ultimately come down to Billups of whether does he want to get in a position where he can take a job and really learn in it and and, and kind of use it as a springboard. Or look, there's going to be teams we saw just a couple of years ago. The Cleveland Cavaliers were prepared to to hand over the whole thing, right? And so, what does he ultimately want when he starts pursuing this career? If he does indeed do that, that's what will be um, interesting to see. The the other question I have to ask, I didn't see in the story, but did he? I mean, did he have any trash to talk about winning his horse horse game against Trey Young? I mean, <laughs> Trey Young can shoot half court shots, uh, like you know, with his eyes closed. He had to have felt pretty good about uh, taking that home. Well, when I, when I talked to him, I don't think they had started the horse, but I, oh, okay. I, I asked him about it. I said, well, are you like, are you preparing for it? Are you in, out there in your driveway getting ready to do it? And he was like, I mean, a little bit, but I'm going to let it just be natural. And just let slow. it happen. Yeah. Let it happen. But I mean, he, he had been doing well so far in it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, any kind of basketball that we can get at this point is, right? uh, is better than nothing. Um, you know, I, I wanted to touch on one other thing that, um, that went up this week at, over at the athletic.com slash nuggets, uh, that you can go check out now. And a reminder that you can get a free 90 day trial, um, you know, just by clicking on any, any story at the athletic, any story that we tweet out, uh, there'll be a link in there for a free 90 day trial. So again, three months, uh, you can you can try the athletic for free right now, um, which is an awesome deal. So go ahead and again check that out. You can see really see what it is that we're doing during these times. Um, but anyway, the story that I did was with John Hollinger, who is a great athletic columnist for us. Been working for us for over a year now. Has done a fantastic job giving uh, our subscribers a real view of of how front office thinking goes. And you know that comes from his role as executive vice president of the Memphis Grizzlies. From, for eight seasons from 2012 to 2019. And, and the reason I, wa- I, w- I really wanted to talk to John was because his his Grizzlies were in sort of a similar situation um, in the, in that kind of that 2012, 2015 window that the Nuggets are kind of in now where they are, they're a good team. They're a perennial playoff team. You know that they have a floor of about 48 wins every single year. Um, you have a couple really good players. and But now it's how do you get, how do you go from there 
to to being a championship level team to reaching a, a conference finals to reaching an NBA finals. Uh, that that is where the Nuggets are, and we so we talked a little bit about um, you know what what the challenges are in, in doing that in, in making that leap. And I think the biggest thing that I took away is him saying, "Listen, at some point the Nuggets are going to have to get they're probably going to have to get aggressive." Uh, I, I think they've seen that they have good foundational pieces in place. We know Jokic is an all NBA player. So the biggest things that they have to look at now, can Jamal Murray take a step into an all-star type status? Can he be a guy that consistently gives you 22 points every single night that you know that you can depend on? And then the big question added to that is what is Michael Porter Jr. going to be? Is he going to be healthy enough to give them a guy who could be the third uh, counted upon piece for the team? Outside of that, if, if those if those aren't things that they believe can come to fruition, um, you know, then you're talking about what do you do to make a trade to to get to land a potential big fish that could help put you over the top. Um, I, I'm just curious what you might have taken away from, from, from what John what John said, and, and what have you really been thinking about in terms of where the Nuggets are now and how they can really, um, I guess, catapult to that next level. Yeah, I mean, I think as you mentioned, my What's kind of just been on my the forefront of my mind, if I can get words out of my mouth, which seems to be hard, um, <laughs> is that thing you're talking about, about getting that big fish. Uh, as I mentioned before, it just seems like you, you've, you've, hit, you've hit a certain point of what you can get with what they have. Um, and so what is it going to take to kind of get that next big fish? How much are you going to have to give up of this team to get that player who can trend? transform it but then like in the inverse of that is like are you giving too much up to get that one player and if you give up too much is that just kind of going to negate what you can get with with that trade yeah you're on you're you're in this process right now where you're kind of like walking on the razor's edge where either either way you land could be you know that could be the thing that helps you like you know jump over I, i look at it as like you're you're on this like shaky bridge that is you know between this valley between these two cliffs and like you have to take the right step. And if you do like, great, you got to the mountaintop and, and you survived it. If you don't, it could all come crashing down and, you know, down in the valley you go like that. That's, I feel like where they're at because I mean, sustain, you can sustain consistency for whatever, like, you know, you could win, you could win 50 games for nine years. The nuggets have already done that. They, right. they had, they had that under George Carl that they, they had this situation when they had Carmelo Anthony, where every single year you got into the playoffs, every single year you had reason to think that, you know, things were going well. And, and you had the one year where you actually got to the conference finals, but then you went right back to, Hey, first round and out. And, I just think that that's that's just not a position Josh Kroenke wants to find himself in again. It's you know they they have to they have to do more and you so I I really do think if not this off season, it's going to be the next one or or maybe next trade deadline where they say listen we have we have we have stacked this up as best we can we have to go for it and either it pans out beautifully and and we go to the top or listen we we try we did everything we could and, and we just live with it. And I'm not here to say what that's going to take because I, I I just don't know. I I do think that Michael Porter Jr. is going to be an, an inflection point in mm-hmm. terms of he's either going to be the guy that is, is is helps them put it over the top, or he's the guy that you can use as that as that player who can get you the guy that puts you over the top and maybe just gives you a shorter window, and maybe you risk the fact that that Porter becomes something truly special. 
Um, and, and I'm not saying that they have to make that decision this offseason, but I, I do think that's coming quicker down the pike. And if you do decide to use Porter as the guy that's going to help you get somebody in, it might be the sooner the better because um, we just just because of the uncertainty. Maybe his stock right now is as high as it's going to be. We don't know because we don't know what he's going to look like when the when basketball resumes and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's just fascinating kind of where they are. They're to me, they're really at in in probably the next eighteen months of their decision making process is really going to dictate, you know, whether this thing goes all the way to the top or or whether you know, they, they, they have to rethink something and try again. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I honestly thought that this, this off season could have been that year, you know, see where they get to in the playoffs this year. Cause there was obviously so many expectations surrounding them at the beginning of the season. Okay. Now the season's playing out. Let's see what they do this postseason, And then during the off season, okay, they can make those decisions, but with what has happened with the season, with it being suspended, um, who knows what's happening, what the caps are. You wrote a piece on that a couple of weeks ago, I think. Like, just no one really knows what's going to happen right now. And so I think that, as you mentioned, it might get pushed off to the trade deadline or next season. But, I mean, I if, if everything had gone as originally planned, I could have seen this season being a, okay, let's start making some of those big decisions. Yeah, the, they the, – uh- team that is in a position like the Nuggets, I think, is one of the ones that perhaps might be most affected by not having a postseason. If if that's mm-hmm. ultimately what happens again, we don't know, as you mentioned, just because of where they're at. That they, they were so in need of another evaluation run through the playoffs with this young team to really see what they could count on, what had to be improved. Um, you know, missing out on that evaluation period uh, is going to stunt them, in my in my opinion. It, it's 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 a real blow to kind of their, their process of continuing to figure out how to get this thing from very good to great. And, um, but that's the reality. I mean, that's just what it is. They're not the only team that's dealing with that, of course. Um, and, and that, that just is kind of is what it is. So again, uh, go, go read that piece with John. I thought he, he gave some really good insights, um, about what the nuggets really have to consider going forward. Um, last little thing here, Kendra today, Michael Malone, who, who we hadn't really heard from since the end of the season, was on uh, Altitude TV sports social show that they're doing weekdays from 11 to 1 in which, um, you know, different members of the, uh, I guess, the Cronky Sports uh, Empire, so to speak, are, are on with some Altitude TV personalities talking about, you know, just various things during this time. And today they had Malone on with, um, you know, kind of his his favorite musician, Nathaniel Rateliff, um, and, you know, just talking about sort of their connection as, as you know, they, Nathaniel's lived in Denver since 1998, has become a Nuggets fan. And inversely, Michael Malone has always been a big fan of his music. They, um, you know, they met before the playoffs last year and everything. And so it was kind of neat to hear hear them talk about, you know, the shared craft and, and some similarities between, you know, peaking as a musician and, and trying to peak as a basketball team and all that kind of stuff. So uh, you can go to any of the, you know, the Nuggets social channels and go check that out. But it, it led me to this question. If if you were to we were go through the rest of this quarantine and you were told you can only listen to one album for the <laughs> rest of the album. time, oh one album, goodness. one album. album, or or you can or you could say it to like one artist. You can you can have <laughs> one artist and you can listen to their whole catalog. Catalog. I'm not a monster. I'm not going to tell you you can pick <laughs> Prince and only listen to one of his albums. What um so but so whether it be artist or album or whatever, what would um, mm-hmm. what would your thing be? Tough question. I kind of go right now. I kind of go between two people who just put me in a really good mood um, and make me feel like this is what, you know, this is like shower music, workout music, cooking music, all those everything because I can only listen to this one person. I was going between Lizzo and Beyonce because that's kind of been my pick. It's making me feel good. It's making me feel like 
they have some like pretty optimistic, uplifting songs. But I think because I can only listen to this one person, I'd say Beyonce. I feel like she's a little bit more variety. So okay. if it's getting Fair late, enough. she has some slower songs. Can go to sleep to that. And Upbeat a deeper songs, catalog at this point. And a bit much deeper catalog at this point. But that's why when you said one album, I was like, oh my gosh, that is a really tough question because it all depends on the mood because there's the throwbacks, there's right. her formation album that or her Lemonade album that came out really recently. It's it's a tough, it's a tough, tough choice on that part. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I also I struggle with this. There's like there's a lot of bands I've been listening to a lot like during these times, like um the Lumineers. My wife and I are supposed to go see them in August. We'll see. Oh, we'll man. see if that happens. But um, Wesley Wesley Schultz, the lead singer of the Lumineers, has been doing a lot of like, um, you know, just kind of impromptu live sessions on his Instagram and stuff like that. And that's been really cool to kind of, um, you know, just kind of keep me through that. But I ultimately think that I would go with with Leon Bridges, and it's it's a similar kind of vibe that you're talking about. Of like, has some really fun, upbeat, uplifting stuff. But like, you know, sometimes I think the mood too is just like you know mellow and you know mm-hmm. a little bit melancholy and, and and that's all right as well and so i think leon bridges man he just his soul is something that's um it just really hits for me so i, I think that would be that would be what it was but with me and music if, if you ask me the same question tomorrow i might have a completely different answer exactly depends on the <laughs> mood the moods are very uh they're very like constant and fluid right now so you never yeah. know Absolutely. Well, you know, I think that is going to do it for us today. Um, you know, really fun conversations. Again, just so much thanks to all of you for our listeners and subscribers uh, for, for keeping it locked in and keeping it connected to us. Again, if you are a subscriber, you know what to do. Go go to this podcast on uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star ratings and, and maybe a review too. Tell your friends about us. We'll be back next week with another uh, fun episode. So until then, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for stopping by.